Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your very busy day with me here on the pod. Reacting to... A season, a season that came to a close on Wednesday night on TNT where the Nuggets just could not edge out the Golden State Warriors. They lose by a final score, 102 to 98. Man, a lot of thoughts here, all right? And I don't have um, a set of super organized notes, so I'm just going to kind of go uh, today and see where the flow takes us, uh, reacting you know, to a loss that, guys, man, there's tr- trying, to, trying to organize um, how I feel on the heels of a gentleman's sweep has been actually um, just a little bit difficult because on one hand... Uh, the the next closest thing to just getting your ass swept out of the first round is what happened to the Nuggets, right? They they lost in five. We talked about this before the season st- uh, the the series started that you know the the most likely outcome going by Superbook's exact series results uh, was the the Warriors in five, and that's exactly what happened. Um, so I don't want to over patronize. The Nuggets for competing. The Nuggets are a professional basketball team that won nearly 50 games this year and have the league's MVP. All right? So losing in five is not good. More Definitely on its surface, it's not good. And even just the way that it happened uh, isn't good. So I, I don't want to get to a level where I'm like, you know, um, I'm just so overly proud of the Nuggets for competing, for playing hard when they were down in a series. That's that's sort of your exact function as a professional athlete that gets paid millions of dollars to do that. So, um, again, I don't want to over-patronize. But yet and still, I find myself and found myself uh, at the end of that game saying, damn, like there was nothing left to give for that group. There was nothing left in terms of the tank of a will. They exhausted it. And on the heels of what I just said, there is some level of credit I think deserves to be doled out to the Nuggets. And in particular, Nikola Jokic. And for Jokic to go for 30 points, 19 rebounds, 8 assists, on 12 of 18 shooting, 6 for 8 from the free throw line, they turned it over a little bit too much, and, and that's been that's that that's been a little bit of it. Uh, well, yeah, it's been an issue for for Jokic uh, throughout the year, just probably too many turnovers. But like Jokic was just masterful. Jokic was brilliant, and watching that guy fight through a hamstring that he grabbed at any any free moment that he had not fully activated in a basketball play. I mean, he's keeping that thing warm on the sidelines, riding the bike, and he is coming back in, and he was great with a capital G. The last three minutes of that game, I thought he was going to single-handedly 
drag that team across the finish line. And I mean drag. And he had them on their back. And they are not light. Because in those moments of stress when it really, really mattered the most, there was only really one guy uh, that wanted the basketball and has the, uh, the equity and the cachet to have that basketball. And Bo- um, uh, uh, Earl Boykins uh, and myself, you know, who we started this podcast with, and um, he used to say at the end of a basketball game, seven guys don't want the ball. Three do. You hope two of them are on your team. Well, the Nuggets only had one of those guys. The Nuggets only had one of those guys. And you see the way that Jokic finished that game with uh, three minutes left. How anyone that gets paid to talk about sports or gets paid to analyze the game of basketball and would ever in any way, shape, or form disrespect Nikola Jokic, I I can't believe these people actually exist, Um, just shame. I, I don't know what else to say. Just just shame on you. He is a brilliant basketball player. And, you know, one of my one of my um larger takeaways of the this season, uh, and really it's combined with last season, but the crystallization of it really happened um during the series and, and after game five. Uh, in in my own mind's eye, I mean. Um I I've been bullish as hell on Nicola here for years, and and so many so many people have. All right, I'm not I'm not like saying this is my hill by any means. Um, I think he he has potential to be one of the great players of all time. But you can be one of the great players of all time and not quite be in the category of being the best player on a championship team. Okay, so I'll give you a couple examples. Tracy McGrady is one of the great players of all time, okay? He is one of the great scorers of all time. I think he won the scoring title like three different times. Tracy McGrady was great. Tracy McGrady never reached the greatness that, say, someone like Kobe Bryant did. And that's and I bring up Kobe because that's what used to be the argument in, you know, circa, you know, I don't know, um, 2000 and I don't know, uh, five that was a discussion. Like, who's the better player? Trace McGrady. And then uh, over time, one, it just comes into focus. Like, oh, my God, that guy, is a, he's an all-time great. Uh, but he can be the best player on the championship team. And he was, even after the Shaq years. Tracy never reached that. Um, Steve Nash is another one. Steve Nash is an all-time great player. Was Steve Nash ever in the category that he was going to be the very best player on an NBA championship team? Eh. I, I just balk at it a little bit. Doesn't mean he's not one of the greatest players of all time. He's one of the 13, you know, back-to-back MVPs in league history. I'm not These aren't slights. I mean, I'm talking about the pinnacle of the, the, the best who have ever played the sport. The thing that I think has come into focus for me here in just the last 24 hours, I am more convinced now, today, the day after a, a, a gentleman's sweep, and it seems counterintuitive, but I am now convinced that Nikola Jokic, can be the number one A best player on a team that wins an NBA championship. And maybe maybe you that's listening right now, maybe you say, yeah, well, I already, I, I've already known that. I, I, I think I knew it. Now I, I know that I know it. And it is unequivocally the largest task in the history of the franchise to 
maximize this window. All right? The organization, the organization, I tweeted this after the game, the organization maximizing Nikola Jokic's window is literally the most important task in the history of the franchise. And we want the core to be in place, and you want to see what that looks like uh, healthy, and definitely I am, I'm, we've been calling it the year before the year uh, for a year now, or season now. Um, and I absolutely want to see what that looks like. But I don't think, in addition to the core four, all right, Jokic, Jamal, Aaron Gordon, and uh, Michael Porter Jr., um, MPJ was looking like a Sith Lord on the bench with that hood up. Um, that That is likely going to be the exact core, okay? That's likely going to be the exact core. You know Jokic isn't going anywhere, and, and we can talk about the Supermax here in a second. You know they're not trading Jamal. You can't trade Michael Porter Jr., and you're you're likely not going to move on uh, from Aaron Gordon. You want to see what that looks like as a fourth option. I, I don't even know if they would be able to. So so I don't even know because he's got a hundred million dollar contract as well. So, um, but beyond that, like, what does the rest of the roster look like? Are you going to bring back Boogie Cousins, who played phenomenal in Game Five? Massive tip of the cap. I didn't think that games like that were capable of being had for current day Boogie Cousins. So he deserves a lot of credit. I didn't I didn't did not think he had it in him. Um, do you bring back Boogie? Um, do you move Will Barton? Uh, do you entertain the idea of trading a young, incredible talent in Bones Highland? That's a really tough question right there. But if you're trying to maximize a championship window, see, the Nuggets have to operate in this different space uh, from the Clippers and Lakers and Heat and whatever, Brooklyn. It's like, you you hope you you thrive as a franchise and 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 have gotten to this point because you hit on picks like bones and you got to keep things organic and grassroots because free agents aren't going to come here but at the same time if you're trying to win a championship you might need to take a piece like bones highland and trade him it'd be the last thing you want to do right and, and again it 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 probably hits your ears wrong but um, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for them to do that. I'm asking the question, like, what is the next move? Because I just don't think that Tim Connolly can say, hey, we're just going to run the group back and hope that, hopefully everyone's healthy. You just you can't operate like that. So we'll continue to have those conversations here on the Mile High Hoops podcast uh, through the offseason. Um, we are going to be uh, here still doing weekly podcasts. Um, so... I think that's uh, it'll be it'll be nice to sort of keep tabs on the roster. Where in years past, after the season, I take a lot of time off, and you know we'll do other stuff, and you know I'm I'm busy outside of uh, outside of the show and the podcast. Um, but now that it's sponsored by our friends at Superbook, uh, we're going to keep it rolling. So I'm looking forward to keeping tabs on these conversations, as well as you know bringing um, some of our uh, esteemed colleagues from around the market uh, in to have those conversations. Uh, because we did not, you know, used to have a co-host. Then we we said, okay, I'll do it solo, but it'll be guest heavy, so I'm not just talking to myself. And then I got to a point this year where I just don't want to um, work with anyone else's schedule. I just want to be able to knock out the podcast and not have to worry about guys canceling or guys saying, hey, I'm going to be 20 minutes late, or can we switch to this time? So I just, like, worry about myself, and I'll just record the podcast. Um but I think for the offseason, we'll probably switch to a more of a guest-heavy format, probably. Um, at least maybe every other. So we'll, we'll see how it shakes out naturally. Uh, but I, I mentioned all that, that we're going to keep this going through the offseason. So we'll be able to talk about moves as they happen, um, look at prospective moves or trades or whatever. So, um, But back to the game 
and and the season. Um, here here's what I'll say. <clears throat> Excuse me. I hope that. Uh, and I I, me- I mentioned this every once in a while here on the pod. In 2018, Game 82 against the Minnesota Timberwolves, the winner was going to go to the playoffs. And I remember saying at the time, this is a massive game and a massive opportunity because it's not about getting to the playoffs and making noise. I don't care if you get swept. Because in the NBA, it is, it's not like the NHL or the uh, NFL um, or, or even baseball. It, typically, it is about a climb for a group. All right. Now, every now and then, you have a, 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 a an anomaly like the Raptors, who you know are together for one year, uh, at, at least at the top of the roster, and you go and win a championship. That's that's not typically how it goes. It typically is you try, you fail, you try, you fail, you try, you have some success, and then fail, success, success, fail. You know, it's kind of an arc like that, typically. And I bring that up because I hope that here in this gentleman's sweep in the first round. While uh, on paper it's not successful, you can parlay this experience and get real value out of it. And I think of two players in particular um, that can take stuff from this series and hopefully apply it to the future. In terms of whether you're talking about just learning and growing as a player, but also getting some of the playoff feels out of the way and just like being able to say, yeah, I've played in 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 those games. I've been in the Chase Center when the place is going nuts and it feels like it's an avalanche on our head and a comeback, you know, win for them and a, and a and a blown lead loss for us. You you will be able to say that. And if you and if you're two guys, the two guys in particular I'm thinking of are Aaron Gordon and Bones Highland. Bones Highland, it's his rookie year. He's never played in this environment. Bones Highland wasn't even playing like, you know, the uh High major um, Division One basketball. He's at Virginia Commonwealth, right in the CAA, the Colonial Athletic uh, uh, Association. So he's 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 used to playing in front of you know anywhere between you know twenty eight hundred people on a Tuesday night, and then maybe your Saturday game. You, you know, depending on who or where you play, you play in front of five to seven thousand, like whatever, something like that. That's how it looks like. That's just such a far cry from this sort of environment where you're you're on national TV, brother. Like you're, you're you got you got you got Charles and Shaq talking about you during commercial break. Like this is just a totally different world. So the fact that Bones went through highs and lows in the series, the highest of the highs being you know Game Four and him making three straight threes and just turning the uh, ball arena inside out. Um, but then you look at some of the lows, like Game Five. He just was not good. He was simply not good. And he'll be able to say, Yeah, I've had those playoff games where I go zero for six from the field, zero for five from three. I've had playoff games where I hit big shots and feel like I'm on top of the world. And just, again, taking that with you as an experience as a human being, I think there's value in that. And for Aaron Gordon, who really, guys, has not played in a ton of playoff series. All right, he's not Bones, but he, he's also not Jokic or, you know, Monte Morris playing, like, you know, 50 playoff games. Like, he's just not there. Um, that situation in Orlando, and you, you know the deal. So, um for him, if you look at the way the series started for Gordon, he was just so bad uh, the first two games of the series and so obviously the weakest link of the basketball team, especially someone who had real expectations. He was just terrible. Remember game one, three for ten for eight points, and you know game two was three for nine with, uh, with seven points. 
It was like, holy crap, man, this guy averaged 15 points a game during the season. He's got 15 points in two games and doing it just super inefficiently. Um, so hopefully for those two uh, – oh, and, and, and let me just stay there with Aaron. Like, Aaron got way better as the series went on. Like, he battled. He overcame. Now, like, I know he didn't have any points in the second half of Game 5 after having 15 in the first half. He was really good in that first half. Not so good in the second half. But again, like, you're hoping that you – like when you when you go into the gym and you and you build muscle, like you know, part of that process is you know tearing it, and it comes back stronger, right? That's how you get bigger muscles. So you hope that through that that uh, growth process of uh, you know scoring 15 points in the first two games, and then and, and then in game three scoring 18 on seven of 13 shooting, you know, it like in game four having 21 points, uh, a, uh, a um, series high, like so. I hope for those two guys who are uh, more than likely going to be really big parts of the team moving forward, Bones and AG, um, that they take some of those lessons and and apply it. Um, okay. Jokic, after the game, said that he will sign the Supermax. All right. Now, he's eligible for it. Okay. It would be worth over five years. It'd be worth $254 million. All right, that's the number from Bobby Marks of ES, um, ESPN, and, and he said, "I would like it, of course, um, but it's not something that I'm uh, deciding. I think if the offer's on the table, of course, I'm going to accept it because I really like the organization. I really like the people who work here. I'm in a really good relationship with everyone, from the owner to the equipment manager, which is classic, you know, Jokic response." Um, so that's that. Th- th- those are those are good vibes, right? Those are those are that's good returns from a post game press conference after you just lost in game five. A lot of guys wouldn't answer it like that. So, um, yeah, it, your cornerstone is here. You you got the guy, and it's more it's it's obvious to everyone at this point. And if it's not, you're you're a hater. You're whoever you are. You have an agenda, uh, and there are those people that exist. Um, so. It's going to be just a really interesting off season, a really interesting off season, and you know the question I asked you know my co-host on the air today is like how will you remember this season? And we've been talking about that a little bit on and off here, and I, I think I'll remember it for for two things. Um, I'll remember it for we got to watch one of the greatest individual basketball performances over a single season in the history of the sport. Jokic this year. At just 27 years old, and I'm not saying just because he's he is very squarely in his prime. Uh, he became the first player with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists in a single season. All right, he also became the first player ever to average 25 points, 13 rebounds, and seven assists in a season, and the first to lead his team in points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and field goal percentage uh, in a season since steals and blocks became official back in the early 70s. All right, so he um, he was that dude. <laughs> I can't believe this team almost won fifty games. It's it's effing crazy. Um, so I'll remember it for that, and then I'll remember it for just the never ending story and the cloud that was over this team. Game number one, from a from a health standpoint, it never went away, and the rumors never stopped, and they swirled, and MPJ gets hurt, and then that became a whole separate thing, and. The whole the whole thing was so unfortunate. Uh, it never felt like um, it was. It, it always it always felt like it was drizzling. 
even when things were were good, they were just good to a certain degree because it was just you were just still a little bit wet. It was just it, it wasn't a downpour all the time. All right, they won the most road games in franchise history. It wasn't pouring all season long with bad news. All right, but it just felt like it was always just sort of drizzling with that cloud uh, above Denver. And man, I just hope that this group can come back whole because you know I was doing a, a hit with um, our uh, evening show Nick and Cecil. Uh, on the fam, and it was like, hey, like, what, what, what could this team be moving forward? And I, I said, I, I think this team can be in the NBA Finals. I think this team can win a championship, but it's got to be whole. And there is an assumption that when Jamal and Michael Porter Jr. come back, well, that you know, mission accomplished. Now the team's whole. Guys, Jokic has never uh, suffered a devastating injury. All right, he's had great health. So while guys' health have gone south, his has been great. The chances that everyone's health is going to be great at the same time over the course of a whole season and a playoff run, it's, um, I'm not telling you it's wishful thinking, but, uh, but a lot of stuff's got to go right for that to be the case. For those four core guys to be healthy, for you know Bones to be healthy, who was banged up you know uh, at times in and out of the lineup this year. You saw Jokic you know, get hurt there in Game 5 with the hamstring. Like Things happen. And this year's the best ever example of things just happening. But that doesn't mean that they're never going to happen again because you went through a really, really hard time. So there's you. And it's so tricky with windows uh, in, in, in sports. Like that sometimes there's assumptions that these windows will just stay open. Um, and that's not, that, that's, that's not always the case. So I, I hope that my, my major hope for Denver is that we just get to see um, – what we thought we were going to see post Aaron Gordon trade pre Jamal Murray injury. So, all right, well, we will leave it there for now. Uh, the conversations will not end. All right. We're, we're going to continue um, to talk about the nuggets, where they've been, where they're going. And, you know, you tip your cap, you tip your cap uh, to Michael Malone, to Jokic, to the group. Gritty, man, gritty. And there's a twin. Let me say this on the way out. There is a twinge of regret because you lost in five, but damn, you could have won game three. You did win game four, and you had game five. And I just, gosh, the first two games of the series misrepresented how far apart these two teams actually are. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right, we'll leave it there for now, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode, given the tone of it. Uh, please subscribe, tell a friend. That's the very best way that you can support this podcast. I appreciate you being here. And whatever's next right around the corner, I promise we're going to be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast.